Welcome to Change Nation, a program brought to you by First30Days.com. On this episode of Change Nation, Ariane talks with best-selling author Arielle Ford. Here's Ariane. There's a lid for every pot, as the saying goes, and many people believe there's actually someone special out there, a soulmate, someone that is perfect for them. But how can you be so sure, if you're still single, maybe discouraged, that you can actually bring that new person into your life? Now. Soon. According to Ariel Ford, it may just be as simple as asking the universe and connecting into a much more deeper energy, the law of attraction. Her new book, The Soulmate's Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction, walks you through the nine steps to do just that. On this episode of Change Nation, Ariel is here in the studio to talk with us about guiding principles so that you too can find a lasting and loving relationship. Ariel, welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's define what a soulmate is. First and foremost, what is a soulmate and what is not a soulmate? Well, I think we all what not a soulmate is. I mean, that's kind of easy. But a soulmate is someone with whom you have a deep and profound connection, someone you love unconditionally who also loves you unconditionally. And I know a lot of people think maybe there's only one soulmate out there, but I actually believe there are many kinds of soulmates. So, for instance, I think Oprah and Gail King are soulmates. They're best friend kind of soulmates, but I believe that kind of deep you know, unending connection is a soulmate connection. Uh, years ago, you met my cat, JB. He was one of my soulmates. You know, mm-hmm. so I think we can have best friend soulmates, we can have parent-child soulmate relationships, and we can obviously have more than one. And the kind that I talk about mostly in The Soulmate Secret is the romantic partnership kind of soulmate. What would you say to people who are, who are listening to this and watching this that are discouraged? They've tried, they're listening to this as sort of their last sort of hope of what's possible. What would you tell them right off the bat? Well, I would say to them, do you believe there's enough air for you to breathe? And do you believe there's enough water for you to drink? Mm -hmm. And if you do believe that, why wouldn't you believe there's enough love in the world for you? And the place to start is, yes, we've all been dumped and wounded and betrayed. And what I ask people to do is let's first focus on healing the wounds of our heart before we start making the list of what our soulmate looks like. So I believe big love is possible for anyone at any age and it all starts with you need to get to belief. So I want to talk through the nine steps but I first want to talk a little bit about your personal story which I think is a beautiful example of what's possible. Why do you think it took you as long as it did to find this beautiful man that I've also personally met that is your soulmate. What did you do? What did you not do? Well, what I didn't do was focus on finding a soulmate. I was very focused on my career. And I was very fortunate that in the mid-80s, I had a therapist who gave me a little book called Key to Yourself. And I don't even think it's in print anymore. But it was all about the law of attraction and manifestation. So I took everything that I learned and I applied it to my career. And it was amazing. I mean, I started my first business with, you know, three weeks into deciding I wanted to do it, and the money just appeared and it took off. And then I decided I was going to move to La Jolla and start a new business, and that took off. So I was able to take 
all these different manifestation tools and apply them to where I was living, what kind of friends I had, mm -hmm. and my career. And it wasn't until I was in my early 40s that it suddenly dawned on me. It's like, wow, look how powerful I am. If I can do this with my career, imagine what I could do with my love life. And once I turned my attention to that, magic started to happen. How long did it take when you finally started to turn your attention to to when you actually attracted him? And I think there's a, a question about, well, I can believe this, but how long do I need to give it? You know, I think for me, it was really only six months. But of course, I was very ripe for it on a lot of levels. I no longer needed to put all my time and energy into my career. So I had the space. I had the mental space to focus. I was in a place in my life where I had gotten to that even if it never happened, I knew I was going to have a great life. I was having a great life. And I started to live as if he already existed in my life. So we're going to go through all the steps that I went through, but I got to a place of peace where I knew there was somebody out there. I knew that I was finally ready. I came out of the denial, you know, because when I was 28, I was thinking, where is he? Where is he? He's so late. But the truth is, I was not ready at 28. You know, but at 43, I was. <laughs> so let's talk about the ninth step. The first step is belief. Yes, it's really about getting to a belief that there's somebody out there for you. And, and for me, the moment came when I was watching Oprah, of all things. And she had um, Barbara Streisand on as a guest. And Barbara was madly in love and newly engaged to James Brolin. Mm -hmm. And this, I had a light bulb moment. It was like suddenly I thought, wow, if the universe could find the perfect man for her, I should be a piece of cake. Because I'm thinking, OK, she's known as a diva. She's very yeah. famous. and probably sheltered in the number of men that she meets, and how many men would be strong enough and rich enough and handsome enough for her. Mm -hmm. So I knew in that moment if there was somebody for her, not just a somebody, the perfect guy, mm -hmm. then there was the perfect guy for me too. What are the worst beliefs that maybe we're unconsciously running that are keeping that person away from us? Oh, there's lots of them. I'm too old. I'm too fat, I'm too broke, I'm too unattractive. All the good ones are taken. That's a really popular one. Oh, all the good ones are taken. And that comes out of the misbelief that you have to know how and when you're going to meet them. Because if you really trusted that they were out there and that they were going to find you no matter what, you'd stop thinking about, well, where are they? I need proof that they're out there. You only need one. You know, I was, the time all this happened for me, I was working out of my house. You know, I lived on top of a hill in a suburban area, and the only men I ever saw were the FedEx guy, the UPS guy, the Sparklets water guy, and the mailman, and they were all married. You know, and so I would have these thoughts every once in a while, well, I'm never going to meet anybody here. I'm here all day long, all mm -hmm. night long. And then I realized, you know what? It's not for me to know how or where or when. Mm -hmm. It's only for me to trust and believe that at the right moment, at the right time, it will happen. When did you first meet Brian? I met him at the Portland airport. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it turned out that we had been working together, although we didn't realize that. I had an author that I was doing PR for up in Portland, Oregon, and he was a business partner to this man. Oh. And I went up to Portland to supervise a national TV shoot. And when I called the author's office and you know said, oh, could somebody pick me up at the airport? The guy on the phone, Brian, said, oh, I'll be happy to pick you up, no problem. Now, there were a lot of things that happened prior to that day, but we actually physically met at the Portland airport. Wow, it's beautiful. So second step is readiness. 
Right. You need to prepare yourself on all levels. So that means emotionally, if you need healing, if there are wounds, if you need therapy, go out and get it. You know, I always say to somebody, if your soulmate could, you know, witness your life right this second, would you be happy with the way that you look, with the way that your apartment or your condo or your house looks? So it's a ma matter of preparation. Get yourself ready. What, what other parts of our life are most likely not ready? With people that you've observed, what are like just not obvious things where you're like, well, you're you know, not ready? I know a lot of women who say, well, I'm not going to get new towels until I register for my wedding, and then I'm going to get beautiful towels. And I'm saying to them, why wouldn't you want to live with beautiful towels right now? What are you waiting for? What if this guy comes in and looks in your closet and you've got nothing but ratty old mismatched towels? You know, and, and that may not be important to you. It was important to me. So you look at, at your life, you know. Uh, have the dishes that you want to have. There are other things to register for, you know. Look and see, you know, is your house as beautiful, as welcoming as, you know, you would like it to be if you knew they were going to knock on the door tomorrow. Got it. Third, feathering the nest. Well, that's the same thing, except it goes a little deeper. I really believe in feng shui. I've had a lot of proof in my life that it works. So you may want to bring a feng shui expert in to look and see where's the relationship corner of your house, you know, and what can you do to enliven that area? It can be as simple as putting two pink candles in there, or if you like, um, you know, yadro sculptures, two, two doves or two lovebirds or two, a pair of something or a, a frame of a happy couple walking down the beach where you just see them holding hands, you don't see their faces. Something that's representative to you of what you're striving for. Here's the next one, living as if. I think this may be the most important part of it um, because you need to really believe in every cell of your body that this person is coming to you. So if you were living as if you knew for the 100% certainty they were on the way, what would be different? Uh, for me, it was sort of like when I was at the, the card shop and I would find happy anniversary cards. I would buy those now and keep them. You know, if there was a concert coming up in six months I really wanted to go to, I would buy two really great tickets now. So you're living in the as if. And one of my favorite stories about this, there's a famous actress who will not allow me to use her name in this story. But when she was working on manifesting her soulmate, every night she would cook dinner for herself and she would set the dining room table with candles and set it for two and two wine glasses and her dinner was as if they were already there and not too much long later she met him and they're happily married today and they're using the same beautiful china and crystal that she used wow. so living as if what do you do if you have a low moment? What do you do if you go to yet another wedding yes. and you just go into a moment of it's just not going to happen? And you've been positive for a while, but you dip. I think you need to allow yourself to have that feeling. That's a real experience. But give, get a stopwatch. You only have 30 seconds. I need you to go deep into the despair, the desperation, the I'm not lovable, whatever your, your yeah. negative feedback loop is. Dive into it for 30 seconds and allow your body to really feel just how lousy you really feel, you know? And usually what happens is when you do that, you can only experience the pain for just so long and you kind of snap out of it. And then look and see, so you're at the wedding. You know, there's usually some 
cute little six-year-old boy in a tuxedo you can dance with. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people there that you can give love to. You know, how can you support the bride who may be having some kind of a breakdown or the mother of the bride? You know, look and see in this moment, where can I be giving love? Because as the Course in Miracles says, uh, the only thing that can be lacking in any situation is what you're not giving. Yeah, absolutely right. It's good. I'm going to think about this one more. <laughs> the list. The list. Let's talk about that. Well, I think, you know, when you walk into Starbucks and you order your coffee, you know, it's like, okay, I want a half-calf, half-decaf, soy milk latte with no, no sugar, vanilla syrup, foam, no foam, uh, yes. lots of foam, whatever. Venti. And you place this extremely detailed order. And then you forget about it because you know in three minutes they're going to, oh, Ariane, your decaf, half-calf, whatever is ready. Yeah. And you trust it's coming and you walk out with what you ordered. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that with the universe. But what I ask people to do when they're making the list is put the qualities that you want in somebody. You know, you want some, first of all, everybody needs the same three things on the top of their list. You want somebody who's available, first and foremost. You want somebody who's the same sexual orientation you are. Mm -hmm. So if you want straight, you ask for straight. If you want gay, you ask for gay. And then you want somebody who's geographically desirable. So if you're sure you're living in New York City and you're not moving, you want somebody who's either already here or willing to move. So those are the first three things on the list because I've had people, I had one really good friend who manifested her list and he was gay. You know, I had another friend who manifested her list. She lived in Ohio, he lived in Perth, Australia. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's important to be specific. Yeah. And then get to the important qualities. You know, do you, do you want somebody who's athletic or somebody who's a couch potato? You know, really think about what you want. I had 47 items on my list. And Brian found it a couple of years after we got married. I, I don't know where I hit it. <clears throat> I don't know where I hit it, but he found it. And he comes up the stairs waving this yellow piece of paper going, there's only two things on your list I'm not. I'm like, what list are you talking about? He said, your soulmate list, I found it. I said, okay, what two aren't you? He said, well, I'm not Jewish and I don't cook. Well, it turns out that I'm not a practicing Jew. It wasn't all that important. And we've never missed a meal, so the cooking thing wasn't important either. But when I reread the list, I was so surprised to see. I wanted somebody who was on a spiritual path, who was very generous and kind and big-hearted and patient, and he's all of those things. I wanted somebody who was really healthy and into fitness and was a meditator. He was all of those things. And most importantly, I wanted someone who would love me and my family unconditionally because I'm very close to my family. So, you know, even though I'd forgotten about the list, I got the list. So there's no limit as to how long the list is. You can put 10 things, you can so. put 50 things. Yeah, you just want to make sure they're the most important things. And then once you create the list, have your best friend read it over to make sure, A, you didn't forget something really important. You know, like, um, I didn't put on there that I wanted somebody who was a night owl. Brian goes to sleep at 9 p.m. and is up at 4.30 in the morning. Now, guess whose schedule I'm on, <laughs> you know? It, it just worked out, and I think I'm actually healthier for it. But, you know, if you know you're a night owl and you want to be up all night, you mm. might want to add that. Beautiful. Here's the next one, unhooking the past. Yeah, this is really important. So did you ever notice when you broke up with somebody or somebody broke up with you and you got to a certain point where you decided that's it, I'm done with them, I'm cutting the ties, and the next day they call? You know. Oh, yes. 
right? <laughs> yes. And what is that about? It's like because emotionally you have cut the ties, you've let go, and they feel that because ex-lovers are like vampires. Mm -hmm. They have these invisible energetic hooks inside of you. And as long as you're not untying those hooks, they're emotionally connected to you. So that leaves you unavailable for another relationship. And they're still siphoning energy from you. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying all ex-lovers do that, but there's, we all know what we're talking about. There's certain kinds that do. Mm -hmm. So in The Soulmate Secret, we go through different rituals that you can do to unhook those. And it can be as simple as, you know, you just do a karate chop in there, you just declare, you know, mm -hmm. George, we are done, finished, whatever. And there are more elaborate rituals you can do. So is it possible to meet your soulmate if you're in another relationship? Yeah, I think that I think that happens from time to time. Uh, it's not ideal, you know, especially if you're married and they're married. But certainly are, there are plenty of stories of people who appeared to be, you know, happily married and suddenly they're leaving because, you know, I met my soulmate. Um, you know, is that the cleanest thing to do? No, but it does happen. We are going to take a quick break when we're... Coming back, we'll talk about the next few steps. We are listening to Ariel Ford on Change Nation. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Change Nation. And today my guest is Ariel Ford. And her book is called The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction. We were talking about the nine steps to actually get there. The next one we have is taking action. What kind of action? What are actions that will serve us versus an action that probably won't? Well, I think the first action you can take is listening to your intuition. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you get home from work and you're exhausted and your best friend calls and said, you know, I just met these great guys and we're going out for drinks. Why don't you join us? And there's a part of you going, oh, that would be really fun. And there's another part going, oh, I just want to take a bath. Get dressed and go out. Chances are you'll have a good time and you never know. And I know at least three women who met their soulmates because they spontaneously, you know, took up an invitation that they got. Uh, the other kind of actions is I would say don't obsess. You know, if, if you're on Match.com or Chemistry.com, you know, do it when it feels right, when you can have a good time doing it. Don't be checking obsessively because you think it's the right thing to do or you could miss somebody. Trust me, your soulmate's out there and you're not going to miss him or her. What you can do with, you know, these kinds of, of tools is maybe speed up the process a little bit, but you don't, you don't have to obsess about it. Is one of the actions creating a vision board, creating something visual that you can sort of look at? I Absolutely. know we talked about the list and it was maybe more words. Right, and I'm a big believer in vision boards. I have lots of them. And so, yes, yeah, so I always say get a big piece of poster board and then cut out pictures and images and words that are a representation of what you want this life to be like. So you may, some people may have wedding dresses and engagement rings. I don't think that's the most important thing unless that's really critical to you. I think it's more about evoking feelings. You know, um, do you want to have, where do you want to travel to? Like I had Bora Bora on mine for the longest time and we just went there mm -hmm. for our 10th anniversary. You know, so the different kinds of pictures and images, you know, people holding hands, people hugging, 
candlelight, romantic dinners, walks on the beaches, if you want children, pictures of uh, kids at different stages, what kind of animals do you want to have. I had uh, one picture on, on one of my vision boards of, of the kind of bedroom that I wanted with an ocean view. And today we're living in a house that has the exact view that that vision board had. Here's another one. This is, a, I think, a little more challenging. Savor the waiting. Yeah. And, and start with thinking about a place in your life where you do savor the waiting. So it may be, um, you know, maybe your favorite part of dinner is dessert. You know, mine is. You know, I love chocolate. Uh, so, you know, I'll be excited. I know I'm going out to dinner. I'm going to see friends. You know, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dessert. You know, you know how to savor that kind of waiting. But if you could believe, if you could just trust me and believe that the one is out there for you, wouldn't you be able to rest in your heart with a little bit more peace and just go, yeah, there's really nothing for me to do. There's only something for me to know. And the knowing is that they're on the way. And enjoy the waiting time because the thing that you don't know is that when you get everything you ever wanted, it is incredibly stressful. And I found that out when I met Brian. He was everything that I ever wanted and everything that I ever wanted happened really, really fast. And suddenly I had the stress of trying to you know, learn everything I could about this person because we got engaged three weeks after we met. You know, and it was like suddenly we had weddings to plan and he was moving in and I had this business to run. And was it good stress? Yeah, it was good stress. But it, there were moments where it was like, wow, my life was a lot more under control and peaceful mm -hmm. while I was just waiting. And I knew he was coming. Mm -hmm. I trusted he was coming. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I say savor the waiting because even though you can't imagine now that you're going to miss it, there's a part of us that's addicted to yearning. And I missed the yearning. Suddenly I had the guy and it's like, wow, there was a part of me that really enjoyed the like, yeah. well, where is he? You know? Ariel, is there an average that you found that people need to wait? Is it six months? Is it three years? Is it, or is it just beautifully, spiritually? No, I think it's all about divine timing. I believe that, that certain parts of our life are predestined mm -hmm. and a lot of it we have free will. And when those two places meet up, that's where the magic is. And so it's kind of about, you know, look and see where would your life be different today if, if you were in this relationship? And how can you begin living as if it's already there? You know, I'll give you an example. Um, I really wanted to learn how to scuba dive at one point in my life. And I finally decided, you know, if I keep waiting till the guy shows up to learn how to scuba dive, you know, I could be an old woman. So I went and I took scuba lessons and then the, the whole group of us decided to go to Bonaire to go scuba diving. And two weeks before we left for the trip, the guy that I was dating at the time said, wow, that's the best thing I ever heard of. He went on the trip with me, you know. Suddenly I was a more attractive person because I was enthusiastic and passionate about something I wanted to do. Last step, falling in love with yourself. I think we've all been told that. It's difficult. What parts of ourselves do we really need to truly love? Well, I think, I think people get confused between loving yourself and selfishness, you know. And when people love themselves, they take care of themselves first. So if you're a doormat or a people pleaser or uh, an overcare nurturer, you have to look and see where do I need to love myself 
so that I can love myself enough that somebody else would love me. And you just start small. And it may be, you know, if you see that you're always doing for others, you know, it's like, and you're thinking, gosh, I wish somebody would do that for me. Well, you're up to bat. Mm -hmm. It's your job to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you have to make a list of all the people that do love you. And it may be with your dog or your cats. Like, well, they really love me. And you know, my mom really loves me and this, you know, and sometimes we just have to remind ourselves that we are really, really lovable and go out and do something good for yourself. Ariel, one of the questions um, you and I were discussing was giving people some role models mm -hmm. to look at and to emulate. I think so many times we, we just wonder, is it really possible? What does a soulmate relationship look like? What are some people that we can, we can observe that, that are more well-known. Yeah, well, I grew up looking at Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. You know, I, would, I, I, I didn't see them a lot, but whenever I saw pictures of them, they were looking at each other like they really loved each other, and you always heard about how much they loved each other. I think Sting and Trudy Styler could be role models, or Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. I mean, they've actually talked in magazines about how they're soulmates. Mm -hmm. So there are couples out there. I mean, who, who would you look to as a role model? I would probably have said Sting and Trudy, and yeah. I've, I've met them and I've seen them together and they are so fully themselves and there's just a lot of love and space and respect and honoring and it's a beautiful thing. And I think the thing that they really show is that it's, it's a conscious decision you make every day that your relationship's going to come first. You know, and you really see that. He's supportive of her efforts, you know, and she's supportive of his. So I would say find a role model. You know, find somebody. If you can't find anybody, use me. Yeah, okay? I was going to say, you would have probably been I, my other choice, having yeah. met both of you. Yeah, it's I true. really think that, you know, there's a, there's a level at which Brian and I feel that that's a gift that we have to share with other people, uh, that we were very fortunate to find each other, and we've been working really hard to love and support each other so we could love and support other people. For someone who's married currently and maybe mm -hmm. in an unhappy marriage and they know that the person they're with is maybe the father or mother of their children yeah. but really not a soulmate, do you think it's wise for them to potentially leave the marriage and believe that that soulmate is out there? What, well, what do you recommend to I, them? I, I would say don't leave because you're looking to get your soulmate. If you're miserable and the kids aren't doing well because of it, then you need to leave for you and for them and for the other person. You know, I wouldn't say, okay, well, prove to me the soulmate's out there and I'll leave this bad one because if you don't know how to be in relationship with yourself or somebody else, you're going to you know, recreate the madness somewhere yeah, else. Same thing. Yeah. Let's shift a little bit to a little the spiritual aspect of what's going on here so we went through the nine steps mm -hmm. we have belief in something sort of a higher energy that might be supporting it is it important for people to believe in God in someone doing some of the work I don't know that they need to believe in God but I think you have to believe that there's something greater than yourself, even if it's just unity consciousness, that there's this field of energy out there that we are a small piece of. And if you tap into the greater good of it all, you know, more can be yours because it already is. You've just forgotten. So I, I don't 
like to think of myself as a spiritual leader or an expert. I just like to report on what's worked for me. It's beautiful. Ariel, the way we end off all of our interviews here on the show is to ask the experts the exact same three questions. And they're questions all about change. Okay. So the first one is, what is the belief that you go to during times of change in your own life? Oh, I think when I'm going through change, and I don't like change, I'm very resistant to change. At this point in my life, I look back at, at the worst things that ever have happened to me, and I remember how they turned into the best things. Mm-hmm. And I just trust that even though it's uncomfortable, and I don't like it, and I'm resisting it, that ultimately something much better always came out of the worst days of my life. Beautiful, I love it. Here's the second question, fill in the sentence, the best thing about change is? The best thing about change? Uh, it, I think change means something better's on the way. You're just making room for something better to come to you. Here's the last one. What is the best change that you've ever made? The best change? Um, I th- For sure, the best change I ever made was consciously deciding to heal my heart of all the things that would stop me from having my soulmate appear. We're glad that he did. Mm-hmm. We love him dearly. Ariel, what a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank Thanks you. for all the wisdom and the tips and things that I know personally I'm going to share and spread the good word. Thanks. It's a real pleasure. You've been listening to an interview with Ariel Ford on Change Nation. For more information about her and her work and her wonderful, wonderful book, The Soulmate Secret, please visit her online at soulmatesecret.com. For more fascinating interviews on all types of different life changes, please be sure to visit us online at first30days.com. I'm Ariane. Thanks for listening.